it's October and it's my wife's birthday month. And that's the thing. She likes to celebrate all, all month long. It's not, you know, my birthday is actually before hers, but she's like, no, this is my birthday month. She has just, since we've been married, she's just kind of, it's overtaken our whole relationship. It's always her birthday month. And what she really wanted for her birthday is that new deck. We've been talking about it all series long. She wants a new deck and I do too. We kind of waited a little bit too long on this project and now i'm curious can we even do it this year or do we have to wait till next spring hey let's build it on radio.com with Corey heppola and from lindus construction andy lindus well with it being officially now october do we even have enough time up here in the north to finish those outdoor projects. Andy, the, the deck that we've been talking about, we're going to do it. We want to do it. But now it's October. Do we even have enough time to do it this fall? You know, uh, we always wonder how, how late in the season we're going to be able to work. Last year, we were able to get through most of the year for, for most of the divisions. For most of our outdoor projects, we were able to continue to work. And when it comes to things like um, deck building, believe it or not, we actually have the specialized blankets that we can put on the ground. And then there's a machine that runs hot water in a hose underneath these blankets that will take the frost out of the ground. So then you can put footings in and, and build your deck. Is it the best way to do things? No. Um, typically, we only do the, that type of stuff when we absolutely have to and they can't wait because the materials just don't perform as well in the winter when we're installing them as they do any other time. A good rule of thumb. When it comes to working outside, especially when staining and painting is involved, is you're going to want some weather that's going to hit that 50 degree mark. Uh, when it comes to asphalt roofing um, and and most of the other adhesives and glues and, and things like that that you'll be using outside, that 40 degree mark seems to be what we're looking for. For us in Minnesota, we usually get into that last week in November if we're lucky. But, you know, we've had those years where the golf courses were still open come Christmas time. So if we get lucky on one of those years, we're going to. It's not just the cold you have to worry about, Corey. It's uh, the snow. Sometimes it's just impossible to get around houses because of the amount of snow that we have or the danger in setting up scaffolding in in snow and in, in the wintertime. So we just have to wait until... It gets a little bit nicer. But the good news is on almost any project, if you have to get it done, there's a way to do it. But there's specialized things that you have to do to make sure it performs well when you install it in the cold. Well, I look around at certain developments in the Twin Cities and they're constantly building, right? There's construction mm-hmm. happening. So they must have they must have projects or or within these these construction projects, they must have things that they can do right that they can do in the winter whether it's pounding nails or i mean is there must be some progress that you can make in the winter even when it's 20 degrees outside right yeah and 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 that'd be uh for instance where we have to do it like say asphalt roofing say we're working with a, a builder on a new construction and they finish the project in january well, they're not going to want that to sit till May without a roof. So we can either use, uh, there's a new shingle that, that came out this year that you can install in weather on, out down to 10 degrees, which is 30 degrees lower than any other shingle I've worked with. But there's some things you can do with hand sealing the shingles too, to make sure that they don't blow off. Or you take the risk and just say, hey, these shingles are strong enough. We're going to nail them good. It's not a very windy location. As soon as the springtime happens and it warms up, things are going to settle down. But usually you can do almost anything outside of painting on the exterior of a home, depending on the winter. There might be those days, you know, we get another polar vortex that happens and it's 40 to blow out. There's nothing that's happening outside no. unless it's an absolute emergency. I mean, you just don't do it. 
And, uh, but, but if it's a nice winner, when I say nice, uh, uh, all of everyone at Linus Instruction now has beautiful Milwaukee heated vests and we're, we're, we're loaded to gills and all things Carhartt. So we have the, the proper gloves and materials work outside. And if it's not below zero, we're typically going to be outside doing almost everything that we do on a daily basis. What about some of those other next step stuff when you talk about home construction, yeah, like electric, uh, electricity or, or plumbing? Are, are those things, did, uh, are those seasonal or, or can you do that year round? That's pretty much going to be year round. Uh, the plumbers stay pretty busy in the wintertime due to bursting pipes and uh, other things that happen because we're inside way a lot more than the normal. Although this is one of those years where it seems like we've been inside in the summertime just as much as we are in most winter times. But uh, the plumbers can, can do almost everything outside of frozen ground but like i said if the ground is frozen and they need to get their pipes out there there's tools that we have Mm. that we can but again you only do that when you have to because that's going to add costs and labor to your project that you wouldn't have to spend in the summertime so typically people weigh that do i want to spend that extra to get it done now uh do i have to get it done now or can i wait until the spring yeah. And, and I suppose if it's a builder and they're doing a number of homes, like it's a certain new development or something like that, they just know that's the price of doing business. Like we need these houses, we need this inventory and we're just, we're rolling through it. Yeah. You know, um, I'm, I'm in the same boat. Uh, if, if I didn't work four months of the year, it would be really hard for me to stay on top of my backlog. And, and without having being able to work most of the weeks in the wintertime, it'd be really hard. We'd get, get into the springtime and we'd be telling people that we're just meeting with on an estimate in April. It's going to be fall before we can get to you. And that's just not a good way about doing business. We live in the north. The, 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 the building industry has come a long ways, not only in tools and in building materials in the last 15 years where it really does make working outside a little bit more possible. Just, just think of the clothes that you wear now compared to what you, the moon boots that we had to wear when we were kids, with, <laughs> yeah. you know, the, the sandwich <laughs> baggies for, for socks and uh, that kind of stuff. You know, heated vest, heated, heated everything, heated insoles in, in, your, in, your, in your shoes. And, and we have, most of our trailers are insulated with heaters now. So all of our materials can go in there and warm up. And believe it or not, last year we were taking ice shacks. And for, for those that aren't familiar with ice shacks, these are little tents, pop-up tents people use in the wintertime in Minnesota. We're putting them over complete pallets of materials and then putting a heater in there to warm them up to make sure that they're the right temperature to install in the house. Last week, you had, uh, we had talked about the fall being the, your favorite time you know, to work outside. Mm-hmm. Well, where does winter rank? If it's 10 degrees, not windy, but it's 10 degrees, maybe 15 degrees, did you, would you prefer that working outside or like a 95 degree day in the summer? Uh, I'll take 15 degrees working outside over 95 degrees um, almost every day, depending on the actual project. Uh, but yeah, I'll, uh, 15 degrees, you know, when you're working outside and, and moving, it's really not that bad. In fact, uh, a lot of times it's going to be bibs and a vest, not a jacket, and maybe a ball cap if it's not very windy and not, not a, and maybe just a hood, not a, not a stocking cap. You know, you get outside and, and just start moving along, you, uh, you warm up pretty good. That is such a Minnesota, Wisconsin thing to say. 15 degrees, that's really not that bad once you get going. <laughs> Hey, you know, uh, I, 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 have, I have relatives that come springtime, 40 degrees is shorts weather. Yeah, yeah. Hey, here's health. Yeah, I think we all know one of those people who wears the shorts all year round or once it hits 40. 
Okay, so last time we had, we were talking about fall, we were also talking about windows and, and how to know if your window needs to be replaced. Well, what about insulation? You had talked about insulation. What are some signs you may need new insulation? You know, um, a couple of things. If you can get up in your attic and take a look at it, and it looks like your insulation is discolored or very dusty, that's a, a good sign that air is moving through that insulation on a regular basis, and it's acting more like a filter than insulation. And that should be something that could be addressed. If it looks like you have more insulation on one side of your attic than the other, believe it or not, sometimes wind can get into your, your intakes and push that insulation all the way over. Some of these storms, I, I, I've seen it completely bare on one side of the attic and all the way over the other. And you don't know that that happened, and wintertime happens, that's a recipe for an ice dam. Uh, if you notice any discoloration in your wood at all, any type of moisture that, that has happened, you might want to address it. And if you notice any air movement coming from your walls, here's uh, you see this in any big box store. They sell it in kits. It's like a foam backing for an outlet cover, and it's meant to winterize your home. So you put this foam backing on your outlet cover, and then you seal the outlet cover to the wall, and it says it's going to make your house better. All it's doing is keeping that air in the wall someplace it's not addressing anything I and mean, some of the worst moisture issues that i've seen happen is because of that air moving but what happens is something called stack effect so as it gets colder outside and warmer inside your home your home starts to pull air from your attic now think of this if you got a rodent issue and you haven't looked in your attic in a while all of that air is getting filtered through all of those rodent droppings. And then it's coming out your window trim, your door trim, and your outlets. We, we talked on the last episode, a lot of windows get replaced because they think that's the issue. And it's really not. It's your insulation mm-hmm. that, that should get fixed. So air movement, moisture, discoloration, insulation off to one side or the other, all should be addressed. And check out online. There's a, You can figure out how many inches per R value that insulation should have, identify what you have, the three major types, cellulose uh, and fiberglass, and then spray foam. You can see, measure your insulation, calculate your R value. And if it's under an R50 and you're in the north, you might want to add some insulation. I want to ask you about those different types of insulation in a second, but uh, can we go back to ice dams for a second? Um, Because we talk about ice dams a lot, but can you describe like where they come from, what they are and, and what they can potentially do to your house? Yeah, they can, well, first they can cause a a lot of damage in our area of the world. It's one of the number one killers of roofs and, and why they occurs from heat loss somewhere in your house. You have heat getting to a cold surface, causing that snow to melt. That snow melts, comes down, gets to a spot where there is no heat coming up and freezes before it can get off the roof. Eventually, it builds up, builds up, builds up, and it starts to hold why it's called a dam. It's because it's damming up water behind it. All of a sudden, you have a lot of water just stuck where that heat source is, and that's when the leaking starts to occur. And that leaking occurs, you can have mold issues. It can wreck your ceilings. It can, I mean, that polar vortex happened, Corey. We saw more stack effect in the Twin Cities a couple years ago than we've ever had. It completely booked up every drywall guy I knew for a year and a half. That one month. I mean, everyone was dealing with ceiling issues. And again, we're talking about something that doesn't cost a lot of money to address and get rid of. And if you do that, you're never going to have to worry about that. Yeah. Well, and I also, I did take notice. You talked about uh, rodent droppings. That's that, that my ears perk up when I hear rodent droppings and, and then all that shifting on downward. 
today alone, we're going to be in 40 attics inspecting different types of insulation. And of those 40 attics, half of them are going to have rodent issues. So it's something that we talk about all the time. It's one of the reasons why we like to use cellulose more so than fiberglass when we're doing insulation is because of the natural, the, the fire retardants that in there, it seems like the rodents don't like it nearly as much as, as fiberglass. And I've seen way too many mice tunnels and uh, inc- intricate I mean, those guys can, they, 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 they built our road systems. We'd be, we'd be good to go, but those, no uh, those tunnels are everywhere in that fiberglass at times, it seems. Okay. So uh, fiberglass, cellulose, and spray foam. Hey, here's a pointer. Those are the different types of insulation. All right. Where are we using each and what are some of the benefits of each? You know, I'm not uh, uh, a big believer in, in non-batted fiberglass insulation. Blown in fiberglass insulation just seems to move too much. Um, and it's way too easy for rodents to come through and for air to move through. Uh, when it comes to our value, cellulose and fiberglass, are, are, they're so close, it's, it's, it's min- minuscule. I would use cellulose over fiberglass almost 95% of the time, but spray foam is going to be my favorite. In fact, uh, more often than not, when we're doing an insulation job, it's going to have some spray foam and some cellulose due to two factors. Attic air sealing is more important than insulation. And when I say more important, it's wa- it's, 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 it's the most important part of, of making your house work the right way I think in the wintertime where we live, attic air sealing and making sure air movement doesn't happen into your attic is the first thing to address. And both cellulose and spray foam have, have components to it that, that make that hard for air to move. Cellulose is going to settle. That's the one drawback it has over fiberglass. Now for me, what that means is I make sure I put in an extra R value to deal with the settling that's going to happen. But what's nice part about the settling of fiberglass, it almost creates a crust it's way harder for air to move between that. Now, couple that with what I like to do is put down an inch and a half of spray foam over the entire attic and then get to the R55 with cellulose over the top of that. And you're going to have the perfect attic. You're not going to have air moving anywhere in your house. Can we describe these a little bit in more detail? And what I mean by that is, okay, so, so fiberglass, like what is it? What does it look like? It, is, it seems like I've heard about fiberglass for a very long time. Um, you know, most people have seen like the paperback fiberglass. Now imagine that that's loose fill. It goes into a machine, a giant hose, and it blow blows in. What, what, how it works is it traps air in between all of those fibers. And that air is going to be your insulation factor. That's how, how you're able to get to that R value. But it takes a lot of inches in order for fiberglass itself to get to an R50 to an R60, which I like to do in the wintertime. That's why cellulose, believe it or not, is recycled paper products that has a fire retardant brought in. Same principle as fiberglass. It's, it's the, the trapped air that's going to help insulate it. But it does a, again, that fire retardant it's for whatever reason, rodents don't seem to like it nearly as much as, 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 as normal fiberglass. And two, it settles over time and can kind of create a crust. There's some new, newer materials coming out. Uh, I've heard of a denim product, a recycled blue jeans that's blown an attic. And again, it's another fire retardant thing that, that has to go there. And if you have an actual fireplace moving through your attic, there's steps that you want to take to make sure that uh, that remains safe. Some people that uh, they don't talk about is, you know, 15 years down the road, that, that cellulose, that fire retardant starts to go away a little bit more. So if you have any type of heat source in your attic, that's going to be want to be addressed when you're doing the insulation as well. You know what I, you know how much I know about fiberglass? Very little. 
I should say insulation, um, insulation in general. The other thing I was thinking about was I remember as a kid, like the, the pink Panther. Yeah. The, the pink Panther insulation. That's all I remember. And it was come up in these little rolls and you just roll it down. Mm-hmm. And I trust me, I get in attics and I'll see people have the pink Panther rolled in a couple different directions and then some paper back over the top of that. And then yeah. they went and got a bag of loose fill and they threw that all over there. And, and this is what happens every year in the wintertime, people just go in, they start adding insulation to their attic. There might be three or four different types in there. Uh, there's another one that's like, it's like rocks, it's vermiculite. Um, and, and, and it, it can have asbestos in it. So anytime I see that, I got to take these little, you know, it feels like gravel and you put it in a jar and you send it out to a company to see if it tests positive for vermiculite. And when that does, you're talking about, you know, rodent droppings, Corey. Yeah. If you have that type of insulation in your yeah. attic and it's vermiculite, that the air coming down to your house, it uh, is something you're going to want to address to for for just the health of you and your entire family. Vermiculite and asbestos come in your house, not a good thing. Yeah. Can you do? Can you install insulation on your own, or should you have somebody else like yourself come in there? You can, but if you're not going to address attic air sealing, I wouldn't. Um, Sometimes you can do more harm than good. And what I mean by that is, say you create a colder surface that the warm air eventually gets to. All you did was make it easier for water to condensate in there. You think you did good by adding insulation, but now you, you, you've made the problem worse by making the, the top edge a little bit colder because the, the heat isn't getting into as fast. It's still getting there, just not as fast. Now it's easier for it to condensate, easier for it to cause frost. That frost is going to melt cause mold, cause rot, and you're back to square one. So if you're not going to take a look at attic air sealing, don't. And in fact, uh, last year um, was the first time after five years of talking to the cold people to make it mandatory. We saw some movement on that, that if a professional is doing any type of insulation, attic air sealing needs to be addressed. Otherwise, uh, they, they're going to be violating codes. Hey, here's a heads up. You know, this is going to be along the same theme, um, but I, I, I really feel like it's an important topic, Corey, and it's something that most people don't know and they don't, they don't think about. When it comes to insulating your house, um, a blower door test is worth the price. If it, even, if it costs $200, it's worth the price because this is going to give you an actual roadmap on your house where the air leaking is happening. You know, people call me out to their attics all the time, Corey, and they say, I want to start in the basement. They, they want to know why, but I want to see that air has to come from somewhere. And if you have a leaky rim, that's going to be something that you're going to want to address along with the attic. So a blower door test, it's worth the price of, a, of 200 bucks. It's going to help you fix your insulation once and for all. It's way better than just adding some insulation over the top of what you have. Stay away from that until you know exactly what's going on in your house. I didn't want to tell you, but I don't know if you noticed, but I, I knew very little about insulation. <laughs> you, answered, you answered all my questions. Well, good. Hey, bluegill fishing. I hear you're a pro on that. So if you want to return the favor but, and give me some tips on the big bowl bluegills up in Ottertail County, you let me know. I'm, I'm glad you said that because when we're comparing fish stories, my, you know, 10 inch bluegill, well, it's, um, I don't know. What were you fishing? Muskie? Muskies. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They don't compare, but my bluegill <laughs> is, is something to see. Yeah. Thanks, Andy. <laughs> Thank you. 